G'day, everybody. It's time for another Sorno and Redders Winter Series podcast. Without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, in his NWO shirt, which I was very impressed to see. That's going back a long, long way in the history of wrestling. Please welcome the great man, Dan Saunders. Hello, Sorno. G'day, Redders, mate. NWO for life. I'm, I'm surprised you knew what that was. I had no idea you were a, a bit of a wrestling tragic from back in the day. Watched a lot of wrestling in my time. Not, not so much you do it now, right but uh, yeah, another one right there. We've got some really special guests from the Walls End Cricket Club tonight, everybody. And I do mean special. There's, it's great to uh, catch up with these guys uh, in no particular order. First of all, Jack Bailey, it's an extremely warm welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, David and, and Dan and um, the other guests that you'll be introducing in a second. It's a privilege to, to join you guys and looking forward to the next 45 minutes or whatever. And next on our uh, welcoming mat, Jason Butts. Great to have you on board. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, yeah, thanks, Redders. Thanks for the invite as well. And uh, thank you also to Dan Golden Tonsils Saunders. Uh, love listening to you, mate, on the uh, the radio. And uh Mate, magnificent! Absolutely love it. Thanks for inviting. And when I first and when I first got involved in Newcastle cricket a long time ago, there are certain people amongst the tapestry of Newcastle cricket who are very who are pretty well known and very famous. And this next guest is is famous for a very good reason. He's been an extraordinary servant to both Newcastle cricket and the Walls End Cricket Club. He actually introduces himself, Jack Brown. It is a privilege to have you with us. When welcome, dear sir. Thanks very much, David. Mate, it's a pleasure to be here. This is all new to me, by the way. But I've done this before. Pleasure to be here, mate. Thanks, mate. Well, ne- uh, next thing, Jack, we might be getting your live scoring after this if this all works. But that's <laughs> another. That's another matter. I'm only, I'm only joking, Jake. Settle down. I'm only joking, Jack. I'm settle, settle down, <laughs> guys. It's an extremely warm welcome to you all. And I suppose if I could open up to all of you, it's a pretty special time in the history of the Walls End Cricket Club because Walls End are the reigning. NDCA first grade champions after a completely amazing grand final against my Bob Stockton at the end of March. It, the joy on the players and the officials' faces when sh- hands were shaken after a very long, tough... That's the thing I'm proudest about is that our blokes made Walt's end in every single run. But just the joy on the faces, it was hard for me to see because I'm a Stockton person, but you also have got to observe the absolute joy for a club that's been you know, had some tough times, probably had a premiership taken away from them with COVID, and then come back a couple of years later and do it. Guys, talk to us about the feelings of of Walls End winning winning a first grade flag. What was it like for you? Oh, it's simply magnificent, Dave. I mean, something that doesn't come around that often between what, eight years or something since seven seasons since we were there, mate. It was simply magnificent. different two days of cricket. But that hasn't happened that often. Very rare for those stats to take place over both days. And I was in the company of a lovely lady from Premier Club uh, in Diane, Dave. She handled us both scoring in the book and online magnificently. Lovely, lo- lovely couple of days all around, up in the box and on the ground. Magnificent. Jason, talk to it. was. Jason, your thoughts? Yeah, well... Uh, it was a, uh, a fantastic final. Uh, managed to get out there and have a bit of a look on the on the Sunday because it was riveting on that first day. Where uh, I mean, I remember a, a final that I played in '96, '97, I think it was, and Waratah. I think uh, they only got about 
120 odd. We got rolled for 88. So it was slightly similar with uh, this last year that had just gone. And, you know, when you think you get 70, generally, you think, geez, it's going to be a hard going here. The track looked fine. And then uh, then all of a sudden, at the end of the day, we're looking at it going, we're in front. Uh, is this really happening? And then it was just it was just game on. So that, that second day, like, I mean, it had everything because Walls End had to, had to bat it out. And it was probably, you know, the unlikely heroes, you know, when you think about it. Um, but like the Nathan Sneddons and, uh, you know, the Pagey, uh, you know, those guys, the lower order, the lower order just, um, yeah, that was just like the great wall, you know, great wall just couldn't get through. So, but as you say, Redders, um, Stockton never gave up. Um, always just a gritty side, you know, won it, uh, you know, I think it was the year before as well. So knew what it, what it took. And uh, yeah, it was. I'll tell you what, it was entertaining for the fans. I mean, they well, went to watch. Walls in was six to seventy-seven on day two. Uh, Seventeen runs after the first innings, and but to go from six to seventy-seven, they have a lead of two hundred at the end of the game. Was uh, uh, I, yeah. I don't think I've seen anything as extraordinary as day one. Day one was extraordinary, and then the pitch flattened out, and it was just that's exactly what happened. Is that that. That first day, I thought Callum Gabriel and Jacob Page bowled at the wall. If you look at their figures, they were superb. They bowled the right channels. And I might add that Adrian Chad was also superb over both things as well. But the critical part of – if you go back to that final before I go to Jack Bailey, there are 171 overs bowled in that grand final. Walsian faced 151 of them. That That is an amazing – that will never happen again. I'm telling nice you, that's that. just – it's an anomaly. Jack yeah. – um, you wear, you wear a very important hat on it and looking after our fixtures at the moment, but it was a pretty special grand final. I know you were up there for a long period of time watching. It was, it was an amazing game. And, and describe your feelings for us. Oh, oh no. Yeah, if I put my... Uh, sorry, I, Jack Bailey. Sorry, Jack. <laughs> yeah, if I put my walls at, walls end hat on... Please do, um, please yeah, do. It was just, it was, yeah, it was just it was a fascinating game of cricket. The, you know, the ebbs and flows on day one and... And then on day two, you sort of think to yourself, well, you know what's going to happen here. But just the way the, just the way the walls end lower order, as you said, um, just toughed it out or fought it out. And you know the, the even even then, so you, you you think to yourself, too, is what what could these guys do? You know the belief that they'll get out of this in the ensuing years, like, um, and then you sort of think, well, why? You know, just the emotions. Why, why don't more teams win back to back? And um, but yeah, that that was the main one. That you know, obviously the the joy and I think I think Peter Hanna set a record for the um <laughs> the most laps walked around number two sports ground on the the two days. And I actually um, got to meet meet Peter at the ground. What a lovely bloke he is. Yeah, he's a he's a great bloke, and he's done such a good job since you know getting back in the the, the big chair at Walls End and. Um, yeah, no, it was a, a fascinating day of cricket. You know, watching it up there, spending most of that time with you, David, and Aaron and Paul Marjorie Banks. It was, yeah, it was a fascinating uh, couple of days of cricket. Yeah, there's an interesting quadrilla. Um, <laughs> Dan Saunders, um, long-term, you know, you, you've did spoken many times on our podcast and off-air about your association with the club. It was a pretty special, it was a pretty special <laughs> grand final. At the end of an amazing season, um that ebbed and flowed a lot and, and you know, it sort of, it, it came down uh, after a thumping win in the semi-final over Newcastle City. 
Um, and then we got to a grand final that was played in completely different weather. And the whole the whole thing changed on Friday when there was some rain around. Whereas the previous weekend it was hot as buggery. Thought yeah. it was hot at Newcastle number one. And I know it would have been hard at George, George hot at George Foley, except the game wasn't being played on the Sunday, was it? They'd already done and dusted. So I'll have to you to um, get some observations, please. Yeah, no, I mean I've I've always had a soft spot for Walls Ed. I, I played all my juniors out there at Walls Ed. We used to train in the nets down there at George Farley, um, yeah, under thirteens, fourteens. Often we'd have to finish up training for the the, the Walls End. I think it was a fifteen, ten or fifteen over comp would be on midweek and you know, growing up with guys like like Greg Geese, obviously is just a you know, you think Walls End district cricket, that's the first name that comes to most people's minds. Dave Edwards, um, there's some quality cricketers in the club. Back then, Nathan Holloway come through. We were the same age, and he went on have a great career, second eleven. I think he played New South Wales second eleven. Um, yeah, and of course, uh, my career after leaving there when I was eighteen was basically city and suburban, apart from a couple of years that I had at the turn of the century with Stockton. So that grand final, um, you know, you don't like to sit on the fence, but it was very easy for me to sit on the fence because it didn't bother me who won, and I didn't want either team to lose. And the way that game went back and forth, because I couldn't be there for the final, I was at the Suburban Districts final um, on commentary, and just watching the live scores, especially on day one, it was like, crikey. And then and then day two, that how that day went on day one, where a team can then go out and stonewall for a whole day, and especially into the tail, uh, it was just, just grit, determination. Um, I think it was Jack before said, like, you know, how hard it is for teams to go back to back. It's, it's proven it's just so hard to win one competition, let alone to go back to back. And it's 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 never the best players, it's the best team, but the team is made up of individuals who can just have a stellar performance. And you know, guys like you know, Lachlan Page, Jacob Page, Nathan Sneddon, that may be the best games of their career. And they, they serve a long, lot more time in the game, but they'll be able to look back on that. Um, and again, it, it was great for Wall's End to win that comp after being cost that premiership during COVID. Exactly. I think I think that's a very fair statement, given how dominant Walls End were going into that final series. Remember, it was only right at the end that we got knocked out of playing cricket, sadly. But, you know, that's a once-in-a-generation thing. Guys, can I ask you a question? Just going off top, this change of topic. Um, what's the history with the naming of the main ground at Wall's End? I know people that tell me, and these are not Wall's End people, that the ground used to be called or was is known as Wall's End Number One. Has it always actually been George Farley Oval? And this is the I genuinely don't know that answer. No, it hasn't been. It's only been in the last six, seven, eight years. It's become George Farley. As far as I'm concerned, it's still Wall's End Oval. Okay, so. So can I ask, guys, who is, may I, again, politely, again, because I don't live in the area and I don't live in Wall's End and I'm not a Wall's End cricket club person, Jack Bailey, who is Mr. Farley, please? Yeah, so uh, so George Farley, actually, interestingly enough, in my early years, I had a few years of playing um, junior soccer at Wall's End and George Farley was my coach. So George was a, you know, a long and distinguished um, official coach of the Wall's End um, soccer community, so that's hence the hence the name to George Farley Oval. Thank you, uh, I really yeah. appreciate that. Yeah. Now, guys, what's uh, going back in, into your younger years and so forth? What 
what are your memories of growing up in the club and, and de- being developed as cricketers and what the club's actually like? Give, give us an idea about what the fabric of the club's like because I'm only – I go towards end and I've got a, a, there's a lot of people who are very friendly towards me, to be quite honest. There's a lot of people and to other people. It seems like a good bunch of people um, who get together and play cricket. And some of them happen to be pretty handy cricketers, but there seems to be a good bunch of people. Talk to us about the culture and the fabric of the club going back. And even now, please guys, anyone come in and say what you like. I'm just, fa- our listeners are fascinated to hear what you've got to say. Yeah, certainly from when I started, I came in as a uh, 16-year-old and uh, the great Johnny Parks, he was my uh, uh, soccer coach at Southwell's End and uh, and he got me over and it was just a, a family club. So, I mean, obviously I started off in fourth grade, but when we were training, what I found was you had the likes of Dave Edwards, you know, you had uh, Geese, you had all these guys that would come in and they'd actually try and uh, help you out and bring you in. It wasn't like first grade was just stuck over there just training on their own. Um, so you felt part of the club straight away. So, um, you know, that enabled me to just feel a sense of belonging early. Uh, obviously, the talent had to uh, took a little bit longer just to uh, to get to that point. But, uh, you know, from the top, you know, we had Pete Hanna, who's obviously back now, great operator, Craig Fennings. So off the field, we had really good stability uh, from a culture point of view as well. We had lots of social functions, those topics. We always go back to the pub, the colliery in, you know, after training. Uh, we do extra sessions as well. We do a Wednesday session, uh, just fielding. Uh, things like that. So the first graders would allow us in there as well. Um, and yeah, it just, um, once I got there, I didn't want to leave basically. And that's really what helped me uh, continue just to play, you know, season after season and, and just wanted to further my career uh, from that point of view. So uh, yeah, just great people on and off the field really, uh, really helped me. And, you know, glad that obviously the place is going well at the moment too. Well, Dave, just, just the camaraderie, but Running played cricket with Jack Moroney's grandsons. Um, and Jack Moroney played, he was a test cricketer and should have played more test cricket. He was an absolutely superb batsman, Jack Moroney. He could seriously pay. So, yeah, no, I, I didn't realise Mr Moroney had played at Wall's End. Jack Bailey, t- talk us through what it was like for you coming through the system. Yeah, pretty similar to, to what all the other guys said. I was, I was probably pretty lucky too. When I come through, there was a, you know, there was a lot of blokes about, you know, within... I don't know, two, three years um, of, of my age. And so we just had a 
great cam- camaraderie is, you know, it's probably similar to your club, David, like particularly, you know, 40 years ago or 45 years ago when I started down there, it's, you know, Walls End was a pretty small town, like like I said, probably similar to to the Stockton community and, um, yeah, just a really good, um, yeah, really good place to play. I remember in the juniors um, being invited to, Kerry Thompson um, invited the junior team to down to train on the you know the turf the turf wickets one Wednesday afternoon and from that time on I think I was just hooked on the place. Um, interestingly enough, David, I, probably my first involvement in any sort of I'll call it pseudo official capacity was um, when I went to high school. Uh, I met up with a guy that was a, a Stocktonite and we played cricket and then we played rugby through the winter and his dad used to come and pick us up to, to run us to, to sport. And I remember the 77-78 final, um, Peter Parr come up to me one day and said, oh, they'd like us to, to do the scoreboard for the final. So as I said, that was probably one of my first involvements in any sort of capacity was the, you know, the old scoreboard at the number one sports ground in the 77-78 final. And, what a cracker that was too. I mean, Stockton won that pretty easily, but it was a, you know, it was another terrific match. Yeah, that, that I, I would I would love to have seen more cricket at number one, and I think it's something that all of us that have got a um a, though I won't put myself in this because I've only been there ten years, which isn't very long. But I think a lot of people would love go would like to go back to the halcyon days of when top level cricket was played at number one. Well, certainly on field now, they've got a first-class facility. When you have people from other zones come and say that it's better than better surface than the Sydney Cricket Ground, you, you could see what the council's done. It took them a long time and a lot of money. They've got it right. And hopefully well, that, can, that can continue. That old scoreboard's got a lot of memories for a lot of people, I know. Yeah. But the time's come that, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> if we're going to move forward uh, to, to get a to crack, cracking electronic scoreboard, these things happen. They also take money. And um, but I will say that 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 on-field surface is magnificent. It is just yep. superb, which it should be. It actually should be, and it's going to bring people from other places to come back and play cricket in Newcastle all around, which I think is important. Dave, Guys, the outfield, Dave, the outfield at number one for that final was was that quick. Never seen an outfield so quick as number one was for those two days. It, it's the the only place in New South Wales. That's a proper ground that's faster than it are the grounds at the Tugra Complex on the Central Coast. They've been built that way, and they the dimensions of the grounds are a little bit smaller, but it's actually slightly quicker than number one. Number one is astonishingly quick at the moment. If you go and look at some of the shots played in that Newcastle Central Coast final in late November, which was the best game of the any of us have ever seen, the guys were basically making defensive pushes, and they went for four. Dan and I commentated some... Dennis Board Cup um, finals early in the year. And it's just, it's so fast. And remember, Jack, we'd actually had rain on the Friday and it was still lightning. So, oh, yep. you know, it's it's a first, on field, that is now an absolute first-class facility. And, and, and if you notice the grass, the grass on number one was cut that fine. It couldn't have been cut fine. any finer. And it's deliberately cut to be a fast cricket outfield, yeah. as are the grounds at Tugra. 
Okay, so they've gone for research. In our part of the world, you've got a climate where the cooch can survive. If you go further south or up into the high country, you've got to change the grass. As an example, guys, at Newcastle National Sports Centre, they have always changed the grass at a particular time of year, which is why the Jets go and have a bit of a, a road source while they change the grass over. And if you looked at that ground on Sunday, and how, by, by the way, how good was it to see um, the stadium packed out for rugby league again? I mean, that's fantastic. But that surface is in magnificent condition. And it, you know, Newcastle can put on good facilities what it wants to, but that that's a cauldron that joint. That is just an amazing place. And people from outside Newcastle don't understand. I tell them get there when there's a crowd at Newcastle. It's a fabulous place to be. It really is. Um, we just need, just need the facilities, Dave, outside the ground to be upgraded. At that, and, and that's all. That, that's all you can uh, say. That's yeah. Yes, that that is exactly right. And hopefully that will come. I think it's beyond the reality. This is just a personal opinion. I don't think it's realistic to expect that we could get a, a big bash franchise. I don't think that's possible. I genuinely don't, unless they go and do it up and we get a facility as good as the facility in the Gold Coast or at Geelong or at some of these other places that have got. And the key to those grounds is they've got AFL money in them. Okay. So no, look, I, I would love to see it happen. Um, but look, just even the idea of getting Sheffield Shield or even second eleven games in Newcastle again would be lovely because you know what people would go and watch. It's it that's the sort of culture that Newcastle Newcastle people will watch good sport being played no matter what it is, and that that's a long term thing. Um, Too much guys, look, to be done at the moment. Yep, yep, hundred uh, percent. Um, talk to me. The only ground I've been bushfired out of cricket, but the only ground I've ever been had a heat out. And cricket is standing next to Jack Brown in a great game at George Farley over when it was about 46 degrees. It's got its, isn't it a fascinating place in that you can be at Stockton in 33 degrees with a sea breeze and 20 minutes away you can be in over 40s? It's, isn't it? It's, it's fascinating. And I think for people outside Newcastle, it has got its own little microclimate there at Walls End Oval, hasn't it, guys? And we had two of those, two of those heat wave days within, within a month in, in, December and January. I think Charlestown was out of the team. Two forty-three degree days. That's right. A month. But it, it is. It's very interesting in that it gets so hot. The it and Jr. Ron Hill have got a reputation of being the hottest two places for cricket. It, I'm sure you've all got experiences of being there on re, before we had heat outs of it being absurdly hot for cricket. Is that a fair statement, Jason and Jack Bale, and and Dan? Yeah, I'd agree with that. One hundred percent. Because you just stand in that little funnel, uh, just where the ground is, and then it's protected by, you know, slightly the hill at one point, um, when you head towards slightly Lambton Way. And then it would always be the case of, well, you knew it was going to be rain if it come across, sort of from Lake Road down towards Cardiff and down, you just knew it right up. So well, we're going to probably be off here. But uh, when it got to the heat, especially from my point of view, being a keeper, I probably sweated threefold. Uh, so I had to try and keep yourself hydrated as much as possible. Uh, that was always a challenge for me. But, uh, yeah, when it got hot, it got hot. But I love playing at Lynn Oval. I, I mean, the ground over there was fantastic. First of all, I'll say the crowd. Uh, the people from the bowling club, uh, there was a couple of cracking uh, statements I heard a couple of times. I think one was uh, with Steve's story. Um, you know, uh, Queensland one day, Wolves in the next. Uh, <laughs> Lara Bing, um, ads. Uh, things like that. So, um, you know, they love to drink and things like that. So, I mean, it was always entertaining when you went out to uh, to back. Uh, they'd always grig you, you know, especially with the beer right up to your face. So those type of things, I thought, was, you know, it was a good laugh. They having a bit of fun. I always raised the bat when I just I always wanted to just get one run. That was always the main thing for me. But, uh, yeah, it was when you got to, you know, that, when the breeze hit, 
and it was later in the day, it was just absolute pure relief. And then sometimes you go to George Farley Oval and there's some interesting characters sitting over near the creek on regular occasions. And I'm not being rude. I'm just saying, and someone will come down on a motor trail bike and there's some kid on a peewee motorbike. But certainly that creek attracts some, let's call it interesting locals, does it not, gentlemen? Is that is that a fair statement? Well, the thing was with me when I was keeping, like, obviously I was trying to focus on the ball, but the thing was you had John Parks was always running up and down the stairs on one side. You had the Walls End Mafia that were drinking, uh, like, cases of VB at another end, I think. Um, and then that we had a guy that he actually got out of jail and he actually slept. We actually had, like, um, behind the, the training nets, um, there was just, like, a bit of a trench there and he would virtually sleep there. He'd come out and when we were playing sides, he was obviously always supporting Walls End. So um, when they were going out to bat uh, the opposition, he was hurling abuse at them. And we thought, we we don't need a sledge. We might as well just uh, play the game. And yeah, he, and he, you know, we had the tats, you know, the Popeye tats, and, you know, just an unmade bed, basically. And uh, I thought to myself, well, that's our 12th man right there. I thought uh, Dan Saunders in under 21s was our best 12th man, uh, 100%. Uh, and also Dean Frith, but also when they played were champions. But this guy was our 12th man half the time. And Dave, it's amazing to, to upgrade the grounds, Dave. And also, it's long overdue for an upgrade. I just throw that in. Very fair statement. The problem that I see is that it's right next to a creek and you'd have to make a special building. You basically have to build a state of ground up on piers and stilts and have a second level up. Um, that was my next question. Jack, thank you for that. I am sure that we were at either Colts or Bradman Cup, one of the two, and it had rained in Newcastle like proper rain and the photos of Wall's End Oval with the water up to the fence and stories of rollers being damaged. Guys, that's not that long ago. And I'm sure that the ground was completely covered in water in a couple of feet. Is that something in the history of the club? And we're talking about anything about Wall's End. Has that happened very often, guys? No, no. Probably once or twice or three times. It can get flooded, but it's a rarity to be flooded, but it's happened in quite a few times in the last few seasons. Uh, but Dave wasn't going to say, uh, oh, I just lost my train of thought. Uh, oh, go on, keep, go on, Dave. Exactly. That's great. Thank you for that. <laughs> back, 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 yeah. <laughs> I just lost my train of thought again, and I'm good at doing that. Guys, I, I know he'll be listening, in, and I know he listens to when, when we do things. He loves to pick up mistakes, but I know he'll be listening. Talk to us about the fact and what happened at the club when Nathan Price walked back in the door from Randwick Petersham. Um, I don't want to spend too long on one player, but I know Nathan Price and I have a lot of time and I have cherished every moment I've spent with him at representative cricket and just listening to him, even playing against him with the Newcastle Steel against Randwick. Talk to us about what happened when he walked back in the door. Well, just great to have a class player back back in the squad and, and um Classy players, class. Yes, Nathan, of course, a uh, uh, great record, and, and that that just kept runs. It just kept on flowing. Uh, great to have a cl class bat. Simple as that. Back, back, back in the back in the team, and then the class bloke too. But Dave, just getting back to to, to Wall's in Oval, just my train of thought come back to me. Dave is going to be interesting to see what the draw is for the upcoming Australian Country Championships. Will they allocate a ground to Wall's in Oval? 
Uh, that's going to be a re a interesting one. I remember the last time the Australian Country Championships were played in Newcastle Wars and did have a game. Uh, South Australia played the Northern Territory, and, and, and from what I gathered at the time, they were, all they were interested in was the condition of the ground, nothing else. Uh, yes, I, I, I might know a little bit about that, Jack. Um, so I'll say nothing on a, on a podcast. I, I have seen a draft draw, and I'll meet, leave it at that. I've seen a draft. Um, so out then? Uh, no, that's not what I'm saying. I've just seen a draft draw. I'm not going to say anything else. I'm not going to get. I'm not going to get myself in trouble because there's a lot of grounds being used because there's a lot of games. You remember, you've got men's and women's cricket being played at the same time. And what I've got, it is fabulous to have the championships back home. It is great. Um, some of the other places that we've been to, the wickets are up and down or whatever, the facilities. And the thing is, people will come to Newcastle because it's such a great place. And you get people from the, the actual proper bush all around Australia who'll come to Newcastle and really enjoy our facilities, our wickets, the climate, the way the place is. There's lots of things to do out of cricket. You know, so many restaurants and places to be. And I think it's going to be a wonderful advertisement for Newcastle cricket. And at, when it, it'll be lovely and hot and warm. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to it. And interestingly, the rest day, will be a day that Newcastle Cricket's played, Mr. Fixtures. I think that's wonderful. Uh, mm. On the 6th of January, that, that's the rest day. But, you know, we'll get getting off topic a little bit. But, we'll, I mean, it is our podcast. We can talk whatever we like. Um, my, my thoughts are that Nathan Price gives a lot of people confidence. Yeah. And I think that also some other very important recruits to the club. Jacob Montgomery's not a recruit. Jacob Montgomery's been a very good cricketer. And if my memory serves me correctly, he's won an under-21s. Um, Newcastle Championship, at least one, but he won it alongside Jason Sanger and Cameron Roxby and guys like that when that particular yep. 21 side was superb. Callum Gabriel's been a really important pickup for Walls End. So have the pages. There's a whole stack of them. The development of Matt Lynch. and oh. There's all these other people, I think, that have really made a big difference and they've <laughs> taken that. And if you look at the grand final, Nathan would be the first to admit that he didn't, uh, he didn't have a great grand final himself and others went and did the job and that's the thing that makes that a such a meritorious oh. win is that everybody chipped in and did a great job yep. and I and think that that's really important Jack Bailey just going to say and Dan McGovern coming back at Christmas was oh sorry and I've, 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 that was rude of me I've seen no, Dan no, McGovern not at all. No, Dan yeah. McGovern coming back also yeah. gives stability and confidence so I should have yeah. said Dan because he's a great bloke he's a lovely lad Dan McGovern he, is, he really yeah. is yeah he is yep yeah, so now, now that was that was massive as well, and just as you said, that stability at the top of the order. So, and when when you consider that Walls End have done that without a strike spinner, most other teams in the comp, in, especially on the top level, West have got Aaron Bills, Stockton's got a couple of spinners, Merriweather's got a couple of spinners, and all these other clubs have got. And Walls End did it basically. With a, with a seam up attack that did an excellent job for the entire season, and I yeah. mean, let's face it, George Wall's Far end, George Farley Oval, the, the the wicket is conducive to seam bowling, and then 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 all of a sudden it'll flatten out in the afternoon, and it's it's an absolute belter, and it's not a big ground either. That's one of the things. So now I've been gibbering for a while. Did you want to get get involved here, mate? I'm I'm sorry, I, I said that I, I indicated that you get involved, but I'm be sitting there fascinated asking the lads questions. I'm just enjoying the banner, and, and again, it's a it's a trip down memory lane for me. Again, as um, all all things Tigers, um, I guess throw it open to all three gentlemen. I I guess if I was to say what what is the greatest memory or great greatest achievement that you've witnessed in your time with the club, and that may not necessarily be a first grade premiership, it might be a lower grade premiership or an individual 
um, performance that you've seen that's just made you to this day go, wow. Well, finals, of course. Uh, there's been a few highlights. Uh, someone mentioned the 15 over series. I forget who it was now. Back in the 70s, 70s to the 90s, that was a fabulous competition because everyone in Newcastle uh, approved of it. And we had we had teams from Thorn, uh, a couple of teams from Maitland participated. Thorn won it, I think, twice. But everyone in the in the in the town uh, was right behind it. So very well supported by the players, and, and it was and it was the association was all behind it, ratified by the NDCA, and it went for like fifteen seasons. Uh, and then there was, of course, the magic day at the SCG back in 06. and of course, not just first grade finals, but a few years ago, Walsing won the second grade final, which I scored for. And that was another magnificent game of cricket. Uh, but games flow 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 both ways. Uh, there's been a lot of highlights. Uh, the, 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 the list is endless. Yep. Simple as that. Uh, the lower grades have won finals. Uh, there's been centuries to score in the final. Uh, Greg Goose scored a century in a in a final. I do believe it. Uh, I could be wrong there, but uh, but mate. Uh, the, one just has to be at the ground to witness what what is what goes on from 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 uh, from, from the toss of the coin till stumps. If, if you're not there, you miss out on seeing all the highlights. So you just have yep. to be at the ground to witness to witness all the magical moments. Yeah, from 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 eleven o'clock till six. So each each playing day. Yeah. For me, I would say like just winning with your mates. You know, the, the mates that I grew up with, you know, like uh, Nate Holloway, uh, David Sellip, um, you know, Kieran O'Toole, all those type of guys, you know, we just, we come through the system. Um, and that's, you know, when you do win it like that, it just has, it's just extra special. But one innings actually would have loved to have seen, uh, spewing, I was good after the time, I wasn't in first grade, but uh, Greg Goose is 271. I think that was at uh, Lynn Over. And all I heard was he, he was just pushing them just before, just, just blocking them, they were going all the way to the fence, and I was just thinking, how could cool would, cool would it be at 271? I couldn't even get 50 at the time uh, when, I, when I started the club. So, um, but then for me, uh, like a big highlight, yeah, you know, we've got all the finals, whatever else, you know, they were won, but just actually just having the best seat in the house uh, at the other end of the wicket watching Greg Geese play and the Steve stories. Um, like all those guys, I'm sitting there, you know, just as a little kid, just going, seriously, am I actually here? Am I dreaming? And uh, and they actually they just um, made you rise another level because you know you wanted to aspire to you know be as good as them, but uh, yeah those type of guys just um, yeah just being there keeping the uh, best view on the house you know seeing streakers go across grounds or whatever else and, you know when you you know copping bounces at Charles Stanover Anthony Stewart coming in 100 mile an hour trying to knock your head off and I'm just smiling and you know hate your guts and you're hanging in there you know all those things I look at but. Uh, you know, they you take that, you know, forever. But talking of that final, uh, not the final game. Lynn Oval, which Jason just mentioned, uh, what was to be remembered about that, Greg was last man out and there's still 11 overs remaining. And when Greg went in, we were two for practically nothing when Greg went in and finished up with that high school, 11 hours remaining in the game. And Mick Wall, I think, was up the other end. But uh, Lynn Oval, another great place for cricket in the, in the town. Uh, beautiful scenery at Lynn Oval. Very diplomatic of you, Jack. I'm I'm not going in that with a 10 foot pole. (laughs) Trust me, I'm not going in that one. Jack Brown, you you devil. 
Um, <laughs> and that scene we still let. Jack, give up, please. I'll get sacked. Sordo will sack me. And now tell me, how many of you were there? You hear stories occasionally in first-class cricket, guys, of hat tricks and very rarely four in four. Alfred Hook has done it. Sold to five and six in New England. But last week, Malinga's done it. But there's a Wall's End player who, if and I know Jack Brown's about to confirm what I'm saying is true, there's a Wall's End player who had a lot of talent who took five in five balls. Did you know about Dan Saunders? I did not. Jack Brown will be able to confirm it. Jack, would you, am I correct in saying that Brett Jackson did exactly that for Wall's End? Over at Pasmer Oval, it was, in fact, Dave. And wow. For five in five, and the last two wickets were both LBs, and they're given out by one of the umpires who very rarely gives an LB, but he gave two in a row. Uh, the big fellow, big fellow, Kim Norris. Kim Norris gave two in a row, and he very rarely gives one. He gave no, one. He didn't. He doesn't give many. When you give you when he gives them out. Now, Jack, was that an under twenty ones game? Under twenty ones at Passmore Oval, yes. And I think Nathan Nathan scored a hundred in the, in the same game. So there you go, guys. A little bit of history. Brett Jackson, who was a serious talent. My goodness me, he could play five and five, Saunders. So there's a that's a and the reason I found that out is I kept in touch with a couple of guys after Wald's End won the SCG Cup because we got to know some of the guys up there in Dubbo, and I, I eventually heard that Jacko had taken five and five. It's uh, yeah, it's amazing effort, and that that's all. That's a Jack. Did you score that in that game? I did. And that, that yeah. was my first first club hat trick, and the last one by Pat McGann was only my second for the club second hat trick. Oh, don't I've only, don't I've only start taken it. Two. Well, let me say this: <laughs> there's another addition to the club that's made an enormous difference. Pat McGann, despite the fact that Paul Buck has been injured a bit, has become the best fast bowler in New South Wales country, and I don't say that lightly. And remember, I see them all. But he has become his performance in Tamworth earlier this year, and alongside when you consider that Pat McGann and Josh Bennett both played for Newcastle and both played for country, but Pat McGann is, despite being an absolute scallywag and a very cheeky man, he is a superb bowler and an elite athlete. Like played Australian rules first grade, elite hockey player. But there's another I've forgotten Patrick, so I do apologise, Patty. But if you consider that they've got. Pat McGann and Cal Gabriel backed up by Jacob Page. It's a pretty compelling first-grade attack. And McGann can bowl in any conditions. He can come around with an old ball, bowl left arm around the wicket and move around. He's a superb cricketer. He really is. But, but Dave, remembering this, Dave, that, that Pat only played seven, six games for the whole season. We went through practically the whole season without Pat in our attack. The two Page boys uh, and Cal, carried us through. And, and Cal Gabriel. That's right, because Pat had a Callum, bad season. With... Yeah, we, we, we were without Pat. It's amazing yeah, that's happened. Can, can I ask you, gentlemen, all of you, has there always been a reasonably strong link with the Maitland and Hunter area and the Walls End Cricket Club? Because there's quite a lot of people that are there now that are actually Hunter Hitman eligible. Jacob Montgomery is from Maitland. The Page is from up that way. Cal Gabriel, Patrick McGann. Is, um, I think Lynchy might be a hunter from the hunter as yes, well. Is he's, he not? He's a, yep. he's a I'm, boy. I'm, I'm yep. sure he is because they played for the Hitmen slash Thoroughbreds. 
has there always been that link, guys, going back, or is that something that's reasonably new? Again, because I generally don't know. Well, there has been over the decades. The, the, the earliest one I can recall, Dave, was a bloke called Rick Allen. You may remember the name. He went to Sydney. He played in the mid-70s with, with, with Greg, Tony Hoddle. Rick went to Sydney uh, as a journalist, worked for the Sydney Morning Herald, and he came back and worked for the Mercury. He's now retired, but he does future articles for the Herald on and off. But uh, he was a classy bat from the Maitland area. I was wondering where the name was familiar from. It's the journalism that's got me there. Oh, okay, yes. right. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's, it's um, yeah, yeah. I suppose it, it walls ends on the doorstep of the Hunter Valley too, isn't it? Really, it's it's that's another thing, Jason, isn't it? It's really close. Yeah, and of course the scorer comes from from the Maitland area as well. We'll just throw that in. I'm aware of that. That that's the very handsome young man that I'm looking at at the moment. Yes, Jason. Jason, you were going to say. No, I was just going to say. Also, with the Hunter Expressway and things like that, it's certainly a lot easier just to to get down and play for us. So now we've got you know just more area that we can cover where people, if they want to come from Maitland down to play for us, or even like the uh, clubs like Toronto, like it's only 20 minutes down the road, down the expressway. So I think that has certainly opened it up for us where maybe they might have just stayed at Maitland uh, previously and played there or bypassed Newcastle, yeah. Sydney. So, and yeah, Carter Fullaroo all... moving to, to Cameron Park as well. Yeah. To be honest with you, and Jack's sitting here as a senior member of the Newcastle DCA executive, Maitland Cricket's got its own challenges at the moment. I'm not going to be rude. I, there are some challenges. And Newcastle Cricket's going along quite nicely. And um, the growth of Newcastle Cricket, and I know Sa- Saundo and Jack can take a bow here. They've had a lot to do with that themselves. But Newcastle Cricket's not going too badly at the moment. Yep, it's not all perfect. But there are a lot of people electing to come and play. And like our T20, there's some, the NCC Summer Bash involves sides from Maitland. And no, there, there's all these growth areas and opportunities but the, 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 the carrot of coming to play in Newcastle is very enticing. And again, Pat McGann never played for New South Wales country when he was playing in Maitland. He comes to Walls End, had a couple of big seasons and then just turns it on. But McGann's played New South Wales under-19s. He is a, he's a blue-blooded cricket. I mean, he's got such a wonderful history for still a young man. So, um, and that's enough about McGann because he'll get a big head and go and, he'll go and, <laughs> he'll go and message himself on the Walls End Facebook page and things like that and on Dan's page, I'm telling you. Yep. But also, I'll go just go back to Nathan Price real quick. Uh, when he come back from Lorraine Week, he's just a calming influence as well. Like, like his talent level is just, you know, off the charts. But uh, he also does a lot of stuff uh, with the committee and things as well. So he's just, he's just, uh, he's all, yeah, he's got everything basically. And uh, yeah, he certainly helped for the depth. And he's one of know, the most intense. He and Mark Littlewood are two of the most intense cricketers I have ever seen. And there's yeah, there's I'd there's like a that common Mark back in the Newcastle common. Yes, I think we all would. Uh, but but that intensity you, you can see it when you get to that high level. Yes, when Nathan tells stories, people right. he just gets this calm way about him and people listen. I I yeah. I've I've been in many change rooms and I will go a long way to just sit down over a, a in my case a Pepsi Max or an ale or whatever and just sit down yeah. and listen to him talking. You go and ask him questions. Yeah. He's not big-headed about it. And he's a little bit of yeah. trivia for your Saundo. Nathan Price, when he first played for New South Wales Country, went as a way as a um, number eight bat and opening bowler when he played in Mackay. So wow. that, that, that's when he first went away. He played, went, batted, Nathan batted eight for country. So, um, I believe that, yeah. Yeah. Interesting but, times. The, the, Dave, there's, a, there's another fellow whose name comes to mind from the Maitland out of town area, uh, Craig Evans. 
that played with Stockton. He left Morzoon and went to Stockton for a few seasons. Yes. And he became he, he became the curator at Raymond Terrace Oval. Okay. Craig Evans. Stockton right. Walls End boy. Oh, very good. Another Walls End boy. I think he played in that 77, 78. Oh, Grand final. Yep. Mate, he, he could well have jacked. He could, I can't remember. He was probably there, yes. The game in which Warren Voss scored a second cent, second inning century. Second in, yep. Very wow. Scored by, yours, scored by yours truly. <laughs> a second inning century. Okay. It's fascinating. It really is. Guys, um, what in the next couple of years, where where will Wolves then grow and develop on and off the park? What what do you see is in the, talk, talk me to the next two or three seasons, what it looks like for Walls in across the spectrum. Where Where's the club going to grow and how do you see things continuing on in this positive vein? Well, we don't want to lose, lose any players. We want to gain players today. But the thing is today, experience is missing. Too many young fellas playing, but there's a lot of talent amongst those young kids. We just need, need them to come through the grades and stay in the club and, and be future first graders. And that's the thing about 21s today. 21s should be a 50-over comp so those young kids can play a 50-over game instead of this 2020 rubbish. Uh, but, but and, the, and, and the funny thing is, I, I don't know what the under-21s would prefer because it's gone to T20. I'll, Jack, the fair statement would be that there are some that do want to play the longer form, but the other side of that is that a lot of young people there, so much exposure is now for T20, and it's been where the game has grown, is that you've got the IPL and the Big Bash League and the Women's Big Bash League, which has been phenomenally successful. A lot of the young people want to focus on that, and it's an interesting conundrum for those that run the game. I know, Jackson, I'm not trying to embarrass him. I'm trying to provide an honest commentary in that, like, I think that first grade cricket on Saturdays when we play one days, this is my opinion, guys, and mine only, my club, this is not my clubs. I think it should be 50 over cricket like it was when I came to Newcastle. And the reason I say that is that when you go and play representative cricket, it's all 50 over cricket. The only time you play 40 over cricket is if you get a, if you get a washout or a, a not a washout, a, a, a rain-affected games. Now, that doesn't suit everybody. You go around and speak to some of the older cricketers around town who've got young families or that work a second job. They don't want to play 50 over cricket. They would much rather start at 12 as we do. So there's that fine balance. But Jack's point is most important is that there is still a market for it. But there is also T20 is T20 is where you get people playing the game who may not otherwise play the game. And that's how we've grown our women's cricket in Newcastle. Credit to the team, Jack and the team, Jack Bailey and the team for doing that because we've now got hundreds and hundreds of people playing cricket in Newcastle. Mm-hmm that never played cricket before. And that's a good thing because our grounds get used and we get more and more talented female athletes playing cricket. Dan and I, and Dan, didn't we, a couple of weeks ago, um, interviewed a couple of New South Wales country cricketers and female cricketers who came on Kirsten and EJ. And it was great to talk to them, wasn't it, mate? Oh, oh it's fantastic. You I mean, can probably be still talking cricket with them. It was really informative and pl- plenty to cover. Jack yeah, Bailey. That was fascinating. Oh, um, on the... On the on the fixturing or the um no Jack you, you I'd, I'd like to hear your opinions I'm, I I love listening to, to you talk about things uh, I thought Jack Brown made it but an interesting point I've tried to provide my opinion on it yeah just, sure this is a five way go and I'm just fascinated to think what you think because I know what Jack thinks because Jack's consistent 
Jack will say the yeah. same thing all the time, and he hasn't changed. Jack yeah. Bailey, what? Do you, what? Where? Where are you at with it, my friend? Oh look, I, I, I come up playing, you know, under twenty threes, which was back in the day. It was fifty five overs, as was you know first and second grade one day cricket. But but now it's so many kids actually get their opportunity and, and their pathway into first class cricket is via twenty twenty cricket. So well, David Warner did. Yeah, that's it. So and and I, you know, I respect both both sides of the um the argument for want of a better word, but um yeah, so the the under twenty one kids, it's a good opportunity for them to play um to to play twenty twenty cricket before they, you know, realistically, it's 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 under twenty ones or it's summer bash. So it's a you know, I, I see it as a a good opportunity for the kids to be exposed to, to 2020 cricket. Um, certainly well, certainly well butt heads that. with a lot of people with that um, with that opinion. So, and as, I respect. As well, as well as that, Jack, for the future of first grade in this town, we need we need those young kids to, to be exposed to 40 or 50 over cricket to get them used to playing against fellow first graders to get for the future of first grade cricket. You're not gonna, yeah. I mean, Newcastle is one of the only places in New South Wales outside Sydney where we play 90 overs a day, uh, white clothing, white clothing cricket, a red ball cricket, which I still think is great. And the amount of results that 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 those that 180 overs produces at times is that the twists and turns are extraordinary, as we've just seen in the last grand final. Saundo, did am I right thinking you might have played in a 23s game against a certain Australian cricketer that was mentioned earlier on this evening? Did I hear you to me telling me a story that you might have played against him at Royal Cahiba? Yeah, but Bunny played in the same game. It was 23s, uh, so I was 15, so it was, it was 92, 93. And, um, yeah, Anthony Stewart one in and, and Martin Trisley from the other. And for a 15 year old playing, well, I was playing third grade at the time in 17s, 23, it was a big step up. Um, I'd suggest they were probably short a couple and to get the call up. But it was, I mean, I wasn't as loose a character then as I am now. So I was a bit, <laughs> I was quite quite intimidated. It was fast. And I, I actually got one off the thigh pad to the fence and umpire give it four, which I was pretty happy with. But then, yeah, first first ball, Benny Warmer, my old mate, throws up a nice full toss leggy and I hit it straight down mid-wing its throat. I was like, idiot. You're seen off, <laughs> not to know four years later this guy was playing for Australia. Yeah, the other end, as I mentioned the other week, some of the most ferocious sledging I've copped in my life from Mr. Trisley. Absolutely. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't. I thought I didn't. I didn't know I slept with his missus. You know, it was, it was pretty vicious. <laughs> you can't say that. You blokes have been very politically incorrect tonight. You you're taking after Jack Brown and being politically incorrect. Answers. <laughs> Jack Brown's a bad man. I'm telling you, it's a bad influence, guys. Um, gentlemen, yeah, but, uh, very, very yeah. I mean, great memories for me again. And um, yeah, but I mean, I think back to those days and playing played um, 17s with Bunny and. Um, some 23s games and not not sure when Bunny was always just that grade ahead of me going up through the grade. So maybe very early I might have played a fourth grade game. I know my first year there, I think it was 91, 92, under the leadership of the great Don Tyson. Ah, and, uh, I attended Bradman, yes. Yeah, yeah <laughs> we, we, won, we won a fourth grade comp. Actually, my first ever grade wicket was Dennis Broad. Oh. LBW and... Um, Islington Oval. He, he, he opened, and that was about the 79th, the 77th over. He, he got about 35. 
<laughs> if I if I may just quickly say, there are cert, there, there's not many people in cricket that I genuinely look up to as not so much of a hero, but with some some awe. Dennis Broad's one of a very few, at least Jack Brown's another. There's a couple other scorers, Kath Pink, Diana Rowan, Dan Proudman. I look up to him and I just go, wow. But yep. um, Dennis Broad, he's at the top of the list. The amount, the amount of work that guy's done and the, the widespread respect. Now, I know we're not talking about other clubs, but you mentioned Dennis and it's fitting that there's a competition named after him. I just love being with him. Uh, honestly, scoring with him or whatever else, just listening to him to talk, telling stories. He's just, uh, I doubt very much whether more people, some whether people have done much more for cricket in Newcastle. Mm. There's one here tonight with us who's, you know, the doyen of of, of, of all of us, but Dennis Broad's in, in, in almost in a league of his own. He's just an amazing man. I have a huge contribution to Newcastle cricket, Dave, in more ways than one. I mean, I walked into Dennis's office in, in the bowling headquarters and he had this huge table. He couldn't see the table because of paperwork all over his desk. And he, he I've heard that seat. story. I've heard that, yes. Oh, mate, he had a huge desk. Couldn't see the desk. It was covered with papers. Dennis was sitting behind. A huge contribution made by that man. And he still was still involved with, with Ham Wicks on the committee over there. Uh, great bloke. Loves a drink and loves a punt too. <laughs> Doesn't mind a punt. You sit there in school with him. He's got the he's got the old school tratty radio. He's listening to the ABC, the races on the ABC or Sky. It's great. I, I I don't actually like having a radio. I normally when I'm scoring, but when Dennis is there, no, not a problem at all. If, if one of the older scorers is there, guys, I I always knew tonight would be enjoyable, but it's actually surpassed even what I want. I was anticipating just listening to. The depth of the love for the club, the stories, the characters, the grounds, and and so forth. Having you all on has been a real treat for Dan and myself. Um, and I know I'm with another uh, uh, involved with another club, but this podcast is an opportunity for people to come and talk about their club. And I'm hopeful that when people hear it, they can they can feel what I have is the genuine love of the camaraderie and the friendship and the cricket and the stories and the people that make up. Uh, a, a pretty old school traditional Newcastle cricket club. Uh, Saunder, before we go, did you want to say something? Did you want to say something on those? Oh, that's just the way I felt. I've enjoyed every second of it. Well, what no, time look, we're not into the third session yet. <laughs> we, I can assure you, Jack Brown. I get up at four o'clock in the morning. We're getting quite low. I'll decide when we bloody Jack. For once, I put the foot down on you. All right. I've enjoyed take, saying take that. Take the bars off early. No, I mean, the. I'm, I'm going to shut you up, Jack. There you go, Dan. Over, over to you. And I say that with great love because you know I love you, Jack Dan. Looks like everyone's getting fired LB very shortly. Um, yeah, look, better than what Kim Norris did. Exactly. Yeah, look, we, we could talk all night and, and into the morning and, and we still wouldn't scratch the surface of just some of the great stories. I mean, I could ask Bunny about grand final winning uh, belly button rings, um, oh, but I haven't had time to ask that story. So that's for the next time we look on. Um, I could talk uh, about the reverse fly eyes, but we won't talk about that either. <laughs> um, but what? just seriously, I believe this is season 99 for the Walls and District Cricket Club. Is that correct? We have our hundreds next season. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so, and yes, and Waratah have, Warata right. have their centenary 99, this season. 99 not out. It's coming up. And, yes. 
yeah, so I'm just going to ask just before we wrap things up, is there anything already in the pipeline? Because obviously it's going to be a massive celebration, 100 years strong um, and still going. Um, is there anything already in the pipeline or any plans to, to commemorate the, the century of Walls and District Cricket Club? Not as far as I know yet, uh, yeah. Dan. Uh, there are things in the pipeline, but not, nothing's been discussed yet, to my knowledge. So yeah. hopefully things will go up. No, the, the, there, is, there is some planning has, has commenced and um, I haven't been involved in anything, but I know that they've started that process. And um, I'm going to start the sledging. I want to see Pat Naganids wearing something else other than a bloody dodgy old 17-year-old T-shirt. So that's the challenge <laughs> at that event is to get McGann dressed up. And Patrick, if you're listening, you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> Montgomery, not a problem. He's a stylish bloke. McGann. Yeah. He'd be quite happy wearing a, a Bonds T-shirt, I reckon, to an event like that. The Grand Saltway uh, School of uh, Dressing for the Sands of It Saunder. <laughs> yeah. The unmade Jack, ba Jack Bailey, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure having you on. And I can see you sitting there listening as well because we can see you on Zoom. It's been a real treat for us to have you on talking something different than normal, uh, the, the things you do, and just being able to re reflect on and your wonderful association with the Wars. And thank you so much for joining us, sir. If I could ask, just ask JB a question, uh, please, before you go, Dave. Well, it's your uh, bloody Dave. podcast. You might as well run the whole thing, Jack. Oh, there you go. Jack Bales, when, when's the draw going to be released, Jack? Please. Oh, no, no, no. You can't do that. You can't do that to him, Jack. Jack, you can't do that to him. <laughs> JB, go on. The draw was released to the clubs earlier this week. Um... <laughs> oh, Jack Brown, beauty, gotcha. <laughs> Boy, um... Super efficient um, executive manager, Sharon Beck, is doing a magnificent job. One of the best administrators of sport in New, in New South Wales across all sports. Yep. And so well respected too, David. So. Uh, very Great. much respected. Uh, yep. Jack, thank you. Jack, Jack Bailey, thank you so yep. much. It's been a real privilege having you on. Thank I you know right. you haven't said too much, but I know you've been enjoying listening to some of the things and trying to keep... Trying to keep Jack Brown to an hour is impossible, but that's another matter. Yep. No, Jack, thanks, guys. Third session coming up. Jack, <laughs> this is our bloody podcast. It's, this is going to – everyone's going to crack up with Brad. Jack hasn't shut up. Jason. <laughs> Jason. The lights will be coming on, surely. Yeah, yeah, the lights are on and no one's home, old fella. I'm telling you. Don't you start. Alexa, when I see you at Wall's End next time, I'm going to give you some cheek, Jack Brown. Jason, before I go to Jack to say thanks, Jason, thank you so much for sharing the stories. And I hope you've enjoyed this as much as we've enjoyed doing it. It's been a real pleasure and a privilege to listen. Can I just thank you so much for joining us tonight? No, thank you very much. And you guys are doing a great job uh, with the podcast and the winner series. Uh, I listen to it uh, every week. You've got some great guests. And um, I just want to say with uh, my right-hand man here, uh, Jack Brown, I think uh, I might have to place a call to Officeworks because if he has to score online, he's going to send them out of business because their pens, they will not sell. Uh, well, yeah, if I can ever get Jack Brown and Jenko to, to live score, that'll be my greatest achievement in life. Right? You'll, be, you'll be there for a while yet, Dave, aren't you? Good luck. Yeah, yes, I will. Jack Brown, in all seriousness, um, it's been a, it's pretty much been the Jack Brown podcast tonight. But in all seriousness, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a real privilege. You'll have this enormous... Um, uh, legacy in Newcastle cricket at Wall's End and in Newcastle and I'm being perfectly serious now uh, I had heard of you before I got there from my association with people like Gary and I'd seen you scoring but it is a uh, what you've done over so many years is quite extraordinary 
and um, you're still going on strong. We wanted Dan and I and everybody else to thank you for your contributions towards in Newcastle cricket. And can I sincerely say, although it's been a lot of fun, thank you so much for joining us tonight. It really has been a privilege listening to stories. And genuinely, when I listen to you, this I know how much passion and how much love you've got for the club. Everybody does. But from for so many people around the place, you really are Mr. Wall's End. And I hope you don't mind me saying that. But I, I don't think that that's an overstatement. Jack, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me on, Steve. It's been an absolute pleasure with, with these other three gentlemen, J Jack Biles, Barney and, and Dan, of course. It's a pleasure being here. And, and it's good to talk about Newcastle cricket. It's great being involved in Newcastle cricket, Dave. And thanks again, mate. And I'll see you over at Lynn Over. We're due, due to go to Lynn next season, mate. Hopefully. I, oh, hope so. Uh, but that'd be nice. That'd be nice. We haven't, we haven't had Wolves in over there that much in recent years. Guy, uh, guys, thank you so much for your time. Um, this will come on Dan's page. I hope it can get shared to the Wolves End Facebook page. So many people are going to crack up laughing, especially with Brown taking over the whole bloody podcast and <laughs> running it, just, just interrupting it, just doing what he pleases. But everybody, thank you so much. It has been a privilege. As I said, this will go on Dan's page later. Um, and uh, go and enjoy the rest of the footy. I've just we've just got a post from a certain person. Parramatta's belting the tripe out of Penrith at the moment, which is quite extraordinary. Um, right. But I I don't. It's eighteen four Parramatta right now as we speak. So so see if that lasts, guys. Thank <laughs> you so much. Um, I just want to say thank you. It's been our privilege. Um, see you during the season, all of you, Jason. I'd like to meet you one day and, and have a Absolutely. catch up and have, have a chin wag. Absolutely. From from Dan Saundo, good on you, mate. This is this was a fabulous idea, Saundo. It's been heavenly. The last sixty five minutes have been great. So thank you so from, much. From, from before you go, Dave, uh, from one former DJ to a current DJ up at Port Stephens, from Jack to Dan, two foot current DJ and and a former radio DJ from one to the other. Two music men, two music men. Thanks, but Jack. That, With more to you, come. I bet, you, I bet you Dan's music list is different than yours, you old, you old, ah. you old bugger. You old cheeky man. On behalf of Jack, Jack, Jason, the great man, Dan Saunders, whose drive has made this podcast what it is. My name's David Redden. Good night, everybody. <laughs>